Welcome to Meatburn Express, the filmmaking podcast. Uh, today on the program is Dick Dale, who's very well known in the punk scene and the underground uh, genre uh, splatter scene in Australia with his Trashorama Film Festival. He's working on a new film called Rib Spreader. Welcome to the program, Dick. Hey, how you going, mate? All right, so Rib Spreader uh, doesn't sound like a walk in the park. Uh, what is it? It's um, a splatter punk video nasty that I've been... Uh working on for the last six years. Brian Burns, ex-tobacco icon. Uh, his life has gone down the crap since they uh, banned uh, tobacco advertising. Uh, one day goes to commit suicide and a talking billboard, a billboard outside his window with his anti-cigarette icon on it. Start, Sigmund, the anti-cigarette icon, starts to speak to him. And it's like, what the fuck? And it uh, tells him that his life can go back to its former glory if he just goes around killing uh, cigarette smokers and cutting their lungs out and making a smoking jacket out of it. And, and so he makes this rib spreading machine and goes around and after, reluctantly enough, the cigarette thing keeps taunting him and taunting and taunting him. And eventually, yeah, he turns into the rib spreader and goes around doing that. But he lives in serial killer capital, Murder City. So there's a turf war for all these... Uh, for the victims in the city and I've made all these other crazy characters uh, perverts killers weirdos it's quite interesting because you're you're a, a film festival director yeah uh, and the other film festival director that I know Richard Wollstonecroft yeah. is also making a movie es essentially where the uh, protagonist uh, uh, murders a whole bunch of people is that is that something that um, indie film we're both uh, named Richard or Dick whatever well <laughs> The, the coincidences uh, continue, but I just wonder, is, is, is that from a, uh, a way uh, subconsciously of uh, expressing yourself after a life in Australian film and all the uh, problems and, and frustrations, it's, it seems like a bit of a, bit of a release uh, to maybe go and kill a dozen people in, in your movie. You, you're both, uh, you know, independent uh, film festival directors. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's funny that you, you both want to essentially express the same impulse there. I don't know. I, I, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just the ideas that come out of my head. And, uh, and I'm not a big slasher fan either. I don't mind the Halloween movies. But, uh, you know, the Friday the Furniture movies, I get bored pretty quickly with them. I'm, I'm bored shitless with the endless amount of slasher movies they keep making. You know, they're boring to me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't intend to make a slasher movie. But... It's it, it isn't a slasher movie on the same uh, on the same thing as well. Like this is not like Jason running around killing people. There's a lot, a lot more depth to my film, I think. And it looks like there's a lot of humor as well. There's lots of humor in it. Yeah, um, 
I'm very, very influenced by uh, early Peter Jackson's work. Um, you know, Bad Taste, uh, Brain Dead, Meet the Feebles. I, I love them films and I, my humour. I can relate to the humour in them films. You know, pick up your instruments and play. So, and in this day and age, really, anyone can make a movie if they really want to. You don't have to have millions and millions of dollars. Like, I am making my film for $20,000. It's a 90-minute film. And I'm having lots of practical effects in it. There's puppets in it. There's stop motion in it. Uh, there will be some um, VFX in it, visual effects in it, but that I can't get around. I'm trying to avoid that stuff. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of CGI and that. but um, So I'll be having some of that in it. But I'm just saying, yeah, mm. that's... I guess that's the punk rock aesthetic that I'm talking about. That answers your question. For you, what's the difference between a CGI and practical effects, and and uh, what, do you, what do you what do you feel about? The I just don't think they they can do CGI properly. It just doesn't look real. Yeah, yeah. Most for most part. Um, whereas practical effects, it is real, man. It's really right there in front of you. People are getting covered in whatever, but even like you know puppets, it's really there. So you can't. That's what was the fantastic thing about the 1980s films that I love, and that very big influence me. They did like they were real things in front of you, not some computer cartoon thing. Like they just can't do it. They may think they can do it properly. I, I don't think it doesn't fool me. What are some of the films from the 80s that you think have very good practical effects that have maybe inspired you? Well, the Peter Jackson uh, films, as I said, uh, Bad Taste. Meet the Feebles, it's puppets, man. They're really there. Uh, what about some of the, the resurrection scenes in Hellraiser? Did you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Well, Frank coming out of the uh, floorboards and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Tom Savini. I'm a big fan of Tom Savini's uh, yeah, work. Maniac, uh, the William Lustig original Maniac, is a really big influence for me. And it's the, the Joe Spinell character, Frank Zuto. There's a little bit of him in uh, my character, Brian Burns. Like, I loved their monologue scenes in Maniac. So I was sort of... I've got stuff that's a little bit similar to that in my film. Oh, man! One of the best practical effects films of all time. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. That's also one of my top ten favourite films. Uh, From Beyond. You've seen that film? Yes. Stuart Gordon. Now, I love that. That's another film that uh, the practical effects in that are fantastic. Um, something tangible about it, isn't it? It's tangible, it's there, you know it's there, and, and you know that it wasn't placed by some kid on a computer, you know, 12 months yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Well, John Carpenter's a thing. That stuff is still one of the, the best the best effects of all time, the creatures and that. Now, in an age of CGI, how do you get practical effects done? Are there people still practicing this art? Well, how do you go about that? Uh, well, I've just been tracking. This is another reason I guess it's taken this long. But I've been, uh, you know, tracking people down. There's people out there who, who want to do that, uh, like my friend Paul Whipper. So I've got him on board. Uh, there, there are people working in the industry, you know, that work on Wolf Creek and things like that, but they just don't get enough chances to do it. So, and I've made friends of these people where, you know, I've screened their films at Trasharama over the years. Um, I've just been tracking them down. And there's people like the Media Makeup, Makeup Academy. Uh, we've been talking to some of the students there, so you want to come and have some fun and get to, you know, get your hands dirty and uh, doing some of this sort of stuff. And so some kids are coming in to help us out there. So you're sort of indebted to the past, you're, you're, you're paying tribute to it, but you, 
you're, you're at the same time trying to progress these things forward. Yeah, well, my story is original, I think. Um, but the way I'm making it is uh, 1980s style with the practical effects and, you know, puppets. And uh, we've, got some, I mean, we've got some stop motion in it. Uh, Alex Macken, uh, from Machinations, uh, he's doing that in Melbourne for me. Mm. And uh, people want to have a go at doing it. Yeah. And it, th- those films in the 80s, uh, we never stopped talking about them. They've never stopped being important for people. Uh, the, the, you can't kill them. They're, they're you know. Yeah, well, they, you know, they remake them. But, uh, you know, if they wreck the remake, whatever, you've still got the original. Yeah. And ultimately, the originals are always the best because they're the original. Original. Get that? <laughs> an original movie. Yes. That's what I've tr- I'm trying to make an original movie. Mm. Yeah. What the hell? When did uh, Trashrama start? And, and for, for listeners not aware of it, Trashrama is uh, really the one of the big sort of uh, uh, genre and horror uh, splatter fest uh, things that's uh, sort of uh, travelled the country and, and has, has gone for years. How did that start? Well, it started in '97, and there was nothing else around. Like, I'd go to film festivals, and I'd see, like, you know, short, it was short film programs we're talking about, and I'd see, like, you know, watch these entire uh, film programs, and be like, maybe one movie, and it's like, oh, someone's made in their backyard or something, and it was funny, and they tried to uh, do some kind of horror thing, or maybe there was a horror film in there, or some bad taste comedy, and I'd go, well, this is great, I'm going to these festivals, and I'm seeing one movie every, you know, they might, if you're lucky. Why not have a festival when it's just all the good movies, all them kind of films? And so, and I was making that sort of stuff myself. And so, you know, I thought, well, I can always make, and at first I was making a short movie every year for the Moan Festival. And uh, I hooked up with uh, Andrew Leovold um, from Trash Video. And uh, I'd heard through the grapevine that he also had, was making a festival similar. Uh, called Eat My Schlock. But his film, he would play every single film. He went for about three hours in a bar. But I cut mine down to about uh, an hour. I thought that's long enough to sit there and watch these sort of movies. And, I, and Andrew would play heaps. But we'd swap movies. And so, yeah, we, we, that helped us um, source films from all over the country. And then, after a few years, Andrew stopped doing it, his, after a few years. But I kept on going. And... Um, and as I was getting films from all around the country, I started to jump on a bus. I got on a bus with my bag full of video cassettes, and I'd go to uh, generally it was uh, pubs and venues and play these films hmm. by inserting the video like <laughs> manually. And I'd host it as well with a microphone yeah. and probably tell you because I on the entry form I'd say, "Tell us an anecdote about your film," 
And so I'd have a story to go with the film. They're usually pretty funny. So I'd be hosting. I miss them days, actually, of uh, uh, doing each film and talking in between the film about... Like, in Sydney was the best programs at the Mimson Archives with uh, Jamie Leonardo. He'd sit there and sort of interview me in between the films about the films. Hmm. And uh, it was part, it was just it was turned into it was a great show. I really miss that. There's a lot of people out there who do love genre films. Well, so. isn't that what we all mostly watch? Is it genre films? Uh, like why? Why are we have we historically, at least for a period after um, the the eighties and nineties, that there seems to be this period in Australian cinema where, where we weren't really making them. Like, wh why was that? I don't know. Uh, it never stopped me. But uh, I can't speak for everyone else, man. I don't know. Okay. I don't. I, I can't say. Okay. Honestly, cannot tell you why uh, they stopped. Mm. Because uh, it never stopped me watching films and sourcing out this stuff. So I don't know. What do you think? Yes, maybe it's a kind of elitism, and where they've decided, no, we must only make these sorts of middle ground oh, art films. What they do is they make safe films. You know, they don't want to take a risk. That's what I think, if that answers your question. They want to fund things that's safe. Oh, yes, we know if we make this movie about some human struggle or something, you know, or uh, we know that people are going to go see it and get them. We can't guarantee if we make uh, some original genre movie that we can't guarantee. It's a risk. They don't want to take a risk. If That's probably the truth. At least probably... What I think maybe is the truth, at least about South Australia. You're an Adelaidean. What is the uh, film scene well, I like? Been, I have been for the last 20 odd years, yeah. What, what is the, the film scene and film culture like here in a, in a bit of a smaller town? I'm pretty much key to myself, man. <laughs> I go to the Adelaide Film Festival. Lots of things that don't interest me. Or I go and give it a shot. But then there's movies, you know. A few movies in there. It's like, great. Once again. Why not just have a film festival where it's just all the good fucking movies? Well, what I think's good movies anyway. Mm. And as I found, like with the Trashorama program, a lot of people uh, agree with me. They come along. Uh, I generally have a pretty much packed out crowd when I when I do Screenwrite Film Festival. I put a lot of work into sourcing these films, and I'm quite proud of what I'm screening. Mm. Um, Un-PC or, or gross-out humour or whatever. Mm. Um I don't just play anything. Uh, but, but also saying that, um, I'm not being elitist or anything, I will treat a film, whether they've got money behind it uh, and it's made really well, I will treat the same, treat it the same way as someone who's had got no money and they've made it in their backyard. Um, maybe a little bit extreme saying, but, but even on their iPhone, if it's got the entertainment value and the effort they put into it, I'll treat it the same.
you're asking about the punk rock thing. Yeah. Well, punk rock is rebellion. Yeah. Supposedly. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. Oh, possibly. Exactly. I could possibly be doing some things to create this film mm-hmm. that won't be in the documentary that the guys are making about it. Which leads us to uh, an interesting story. A documentary is being made about you. I understand it's a... Well, not about... It's about, supposedly about the making of Rib Spreader. Right, right. So tell us about that. Oh, Matthew Bay in Closer Productions got funded by Screen Australia to uh, do a six-part web series on the making of Rib Spreader, Australia's first splatter punk video nasty. So that's great. I've got really... That made me very happy that Screen Australia thinks that it's worthy of being, you know, a web series being made about it. it yeah, no, I'm unfucking. But is I'm, it is <laughs> it kind of strange though that the making of documentary will have a bigger budget than the actual film? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, but maybe that's what that made it interesting for them that uh, to see my struggle to make this film. Like this lunatic's got no money. He hasn't even got a proper job. He does part time bar work here and there. I'm sure once I've made this film. I want to make another one. But uh, hang on, what was the question again? Sorry. Uh, I say, oh, I, no, I think you answered the question, but I, uh, what I would now want to ask you about is uh, what your advice is to other people that want to go make a feature and they don't have funding. What's the best way going about that? I'm making this film on imagination and creativity, man. That's If you haven't got money, you've got to just be creative about it and use your imagination uh, to do it. There's plenty of movies with money that are bad. Yeah, totally. But but, but there, there definitely are movies without money that are great. Yeah. And so have you kind of studied uh, low-budget cinema and is that kind of uh, like uh, something you've just studied over time and looked at and go, oh, that's interesting how you did that. I, I can see you did that with no money, but you've achieved what you wanted to achieve. And what are some of the examples of low-budget cinema that maybe have inspired oh, okay. you? Yeah, well, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about El Mariachi by Robert Rodriguez. And Robert Rodriguez is a legend because he tells everybody how he did it and he encourages you um, with that, that that film particularly. Like now he's like Hollywood, whatever. But uh, that's how he started, he, he, for those who don't know. He made that himself. He was his own crew. <laughs> he did the sound. He did the uh, the camera um, with his friends. Uh, I think one of you... And, and, and how he financed that was by... Uh, Doing a, a medical trial and getting locked up in uh, in some institution and letting them do medical trials on him for three months, and he met his villain, you know, the actor who plays his villain, in that place as mm. well. But that's how he financed his film, which would have been still hardly any money. I can't remember how much it was for a feature movie, mm. and he did shoot it on film, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, Rebel Without a Crew, totally worth reading uh, for anyone interested in making no budget or low budget film. Um, there are other books that I'm reading, and so I guess I have been studying this, is uh, the Make Your Own Damn Movie uh, book series by Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma Movies. Now, there's someone who makes movies on fuck all money. <laughs> I don't know if Lloyd's got any money or not, but he doesn't definitely doesn't want to spend them on his movies. So, you know, he once again gets enthusiastic people who want to work on the film, you know, um, I'm sure some people do get paid, but a lot of people just want to be involved in these films because they're fun. What do you What do you think is, is some of the characteristics that people need to lead a ship? Uh, you know, making a feature film. Uh, what is what, what sort of leadership? Uh, uh, 
qualities do you need to have for people to believe in the project and for them to give themselves to it? You've got to believe in your own project yourself. If you're not 100% dedicated to your movie, like I know I'm obsessed with making this film, and I think it shows, because uh, that's all I talk about whenever I go out anywhere, and then I sit there. That's why I know this movie's going to get made, because I'm obsessed about it. And then, uh, and I've heard other people, that's why people are wanting to join up, because uh, they know that it's going to get made. And they're getting excited about it too. And then they've read the screenplay and go, oh, what, really, you're going to do this? And uh, so, the, yeah, I'm quite happy to share my, my screenplay with anybody. I'm not, like, hiding things. I'm not worried about spoilers or any of that shit, because it's like, oh, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to blow this guy's head off. You know, we're going we're gonna to do this. Yeah, these girls are going to be, like, cannibalizing this guy as they're having sex after they've just eaten his, they've ripped his adrenaline gland out. And they're having, they're hallucinating. So this is the sort of things that are going to be happening in my movie. And uh, they're going like, what the fuck? Yeah, we want to see this. So they're getting excited about it. That's what I mean. So that, that's the people I want to work with. People who are enthusiastic about this project as me. Be involved because you want to fucking make something crazy, original, and uh, something we're going to be proud of in the end. Did you go to film school? No. Um, my film school is probably... Making, watching making of documentaries like me and you were talking earlier, Hearts of Darkness. <laughs> uh, that's one. Uh, but making of documentaries, uh, John Waters, Divine Trash, stuff like that. They, I find them, that's my film school. Mm. And uh, reading, you know, make, like books like Rebel Without a Crew, uh, Lloyd's book series. Uh, I've done some, obviously, uh, I think it helps to do, uh, I don't think you have to go to film school. I think learning to, to do it, you just go out there and do it. Mm. Give it a crack. These days, there's no excuse. YouTube tutorials, man. Get mm. the equipment and uh, it's all on YouTube. Mm. That's how I learned how to use my sound equipment. Uh, my my Zoom HM4, whatever it's called. So you're a, you're a self-taught filmmaker? I think the only way, the best way of learning is go out there and do it, man. Just do it. Well, it seems that all the technology is in our hands now. There's no exactly. reason not to just go and do it. Exactly, and you can, as I said, YouTube tutorials, man, <laughs> if you have to. What do you think of YouTube as a platform uh, for films and the, 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 the kind of uh, uh, crazy videos that young kids are making? And, and some of it seems to be very experimental, but they wouldn't even use that word to describe what they're doing. They just seem to be doing it. These kids have got like, you know, so many views, man, like it's unbelievable. Mm. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, some Millions. some local kid. Uh, his name escapes me right now because I'm a bit tired. But he made a film. Um, uh, Jason Voorhees meets Michael Myers, and they they have this fight. It's an Adelaide film, and um, it's got like is it millions of views or yeah? And it was like and then I discovered that, and it was made in Adelaide. I'd never heard of it, and then I'm on. BloodyDisgusting.com, which is a uh, online uh, horror site, and it's going. Oh, Jason meets Michael film uh, has reached you know millions and billions of views. I'm just like wow, and then I um, watched it and thought, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. And then it's like what? It's made in Adelaide. Mm. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. You know, mm. I was like what? So yeah, it's obviously a good platform. If you, that's what I meant by if you can crack it. Mm. Um, I think that, that guy was hooked up with them, um, two kids who have cracked it as well. 
Uh, they that do a lot of stuff. Racka Yeah, the, the, the guys who make the stunt. I don't know the secret behind that. But mm. um, YouTube is not something that, it's not my thing. I, mm. I still like screening films in a theatre. Like, that's me. It's, it's the experience I like to do, mm. you know. But there is a web series being made about you, so that will be accessed through the internet. So oh, yeah, it's quite right. quite interesting. Well, they're making that, not me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and, ma- and maybe maybe that will uh, provide a lot of promotion for this new film. Well, yeah, I, exactly. I, I hope so. But uh, I know that uh, the new thing these days is web series. So I've been told because every time I say, oh, oh, they're going to have a pitching opportunity down at. Down at the, uh, the the local cinema in town, everyone come down there and pitch your your film idea. I get excited and go, oh yeah, like yeah, they give it a crack. Then I redefine a lot your web series or your short movie. I thought, what the fuck is a fuck? Mm. Where's the pitching thing for your feature movie? Mm. That's what I want to go to, but they don't seem to have them. It's all about web series, so. Maybe I'm an old fart, maybe I'm boring, but apparently that's a new way to go. I'm not 100% sure uh, what the reasons are. I do know that the Media Resource Centre is not supposed to help people with features for some reason. You'll have to ask them. Uh, it does seem... Um, it must be a government thing. I think so. I mean, even the Sasser Awards uh, have removed their feature film category entirely. Oh, really? Yeah, so I, I, I don't know what it is about Adelaide, uh, but it does seem that we've kind of turned our back on the feature film, which I would argue is still... The greatest form there is. You know, I'm not sure what the South Australian Film Corporation are doing, but they're making features, aren't they? They're making features, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're not interested in my feature. But, the, but, but I haven't asked. But not, <laughs> but not all. But not all the pistons are firing in South Australia for features, is what I'm saying. Uh, the SAFC, yeah, they're, they're making movies. Absolutely, they're making Mortal Kombat here. Uh, but you know, well, Mortal Kombat's getting made here, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> it is getting made here. We have lots of people from. Interstate and overseas, yeah. So we've got sure. 500 new jobs here? Yeah, apparently. And the, what's so it? That's the, probably the post. Uh, it, uh, that would definitely be Rising Sun Pictures doing a lot of the post. Maybe that and Technicolor? I don't actually know because I know they've moved here, uh, Technicolor, to do CGI work. So I, I assume... It's going to be a CGI I, fest. I assume that everybody in that field will be employed uh, through the wazoo to, to, to work on what would be, you know, probably one of the biggest films ever made in South Australia. Yeah, but it's going to be a big CGI fest, isn't it? I assume so. Yeah, so while them and it's, it's, it's amusing that while they're doing the big CGI cartoon fest, yeah, I'm going to be making rib spreader. Yeah, with real fucking practical effects, mate. Yeah, with local people. <laughs> so I, I can't, you know, I can't promise anyone. Does that mean that you're going to use some real meat and some real bones? In no, your no. Um, well, I was talking about the two vampire girls before. Ripping the adrenaline gland out and having cannibalistic sex with the dead body. Uh, now that'll have to be vegan because they're vegans. They'll have to be. I'm not actually using any real offal or anything like that. It, it's too messy. It's. I mean, it stink. I've had to use it before because of budget and stuff. Um, I don't want to use. I'm a vegetarian anyway. I don't want to use it anyway for other reasons. Mm. Although, uh, but it, yeah, it's just too messy and it stinks and hangs around. So we have to make. I'd rather make the stuff. It's a lot easier to clean up. Mm. But saying that, I do have a scene where there's a band playing, this crazy punk rock band, and everything's going off, and people are moshing, and there's pig's heads getting thrown around the crowd. Uh, like, you know, they used to have the beach balls getting thrown around at Big mm. Day Out. Yeah, well, instead of that, I've got pig's heads getting thrown around. But it's kind of, my budget doesn't cover the cost of making fake pig's heads. Mm. 
So I think you can get cheap ones for like about 10 bucks or something. So I'm going to have real pig's heads mm. thrown around. That's going to sort out the, the people in the crowd. I just want to ask some questions about violence and the attraction to violence because sometimes violence in film uh, is more like ballet, is more like choreography. It's actually John Woo. Yeah, it's more like a high art, and I and I just wondered about your take on it. Uh, uh, yeah, why you're attracted to violence and and maybe what the art around violence is. Violence is funny, kids. No, not all violence is funny, but. Um... Okay, there's plenty of examples of films that are just like violent, serious violence. Yeah. That's not good. Do you mean um, like torture brute, porn? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff so, like so, that. so torture porn is not something that, that, it's, that it's not you like? I'm not a fan of that. So, but um, my violence in my films, and this is something that you were talking about before, what my sort of trademark thing is, ultra cartoon like violence. Like, that's what I find because I think mm. it's that it's, it's so over the top that. Um, People might not expect it coming, mm. but then it's so over the top that it's funny. Yeah. Because it's I, like, what the fuck, man? What? <laughs> and then you'll just laugh. Mm. You'll either laugh or leave the cinema. Yeah, it's but, not, uh, it's not, it, there's no mean spirit. You're, you're having Yeah, it's fun. not mean spirited, yeah. no. Because uh, usually the characters in my film deserve what they're getting anyway. And even in comedy, uh, you know, every. It's every, comedy. Every joke needs a butt of the joke. You know, every, yeah. every, every, every joke uh, needs, a, needs a victim. Uh, you know, it, or, or, or I guess the punt, yeah, maybe the yeah. Punch. So that we're building up for the uh, the joke, and the punchline is someone's head's going to blow up, or the punchline is they're getting decapitated, or getting impaled and their intestines ripped out with a guitar. So it's it's, it's almost like a live action uh, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, something. totally, man. Yeah, that's what I meant by high. Uh, what, was it? what did I say? Uh, cartoon. It's actually a, a word a word that you used to use, so that the censorship board keep off your back. Uh, cartoon-like violence. <laughs> Use that word and it's like uh, mm. the censorship board would leave you alone. Mm. Uh, I learnt that when I have to... I think it's easier now to get through the censorship board, look into things as much. Now, the the, the, the Kickstarter is going very well. Congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, it is, not, surprisingly. Not, Thank you to my friends. Not all Kickstarters are successful, so you, you're doing very well. But do you still need people to come on board and contribute in, in other ways? Yes, well, uh, I was talking to some people last night, and they going, "Oh, Dick, I haven't got any money." I'm so I'm saying, "Look, look, I know, so I don't I know everyone has. I don't want. I mean, obviously, I need. We want to hit the twenty grand to make the film, but what I want, come and be in the movie, man. I've written these insane scenes of like this band playing that. I want all my freaks and weirdo mates to come in. Um, but if you if you if you look a bit, if you look like a straight ass." Now's your opportunity. Dress up like a lunatic and come in because I need all these people in the crowd. Um, yeah, come in and be part of the film. There's plenty of rooms for extras and stuff and that. But um, if you want to give it a crack at doing some special effects, hey, come in if you're enthusiastic because I've got people. We need, they need help. 
Well, they might want an assistant. You can learn some stuff. Even with my earlier ones, I used to even do the, the special effects and, and make stuff out of paper mache, like a giant fly out of paper mache. And there's a scene where, uh, in that same film, flies. So there's a guy on acid and there's a giant fly in the hallway, uh, in, in the doorway. Like people would do that with a computer probably, but not me. I've, I've made a giant fly out of paper mache and it's actually hanging in a real doorway and this guy's on acid going, Aah! and at the end of the film, he... When he's when he, he he's he's realised that he's killed his assistant, and so we've got the corpse of her in the car. Now some people would use uh, the actor. Now we made my friend who was Mark Nichols, a talented special effects guy. He made the the corpse like he made a real like latex dummy of the person's face, which we tried to get flies, which I bred in a homebrew container. Bread, I actually bred real flies. <laughs> so we had thousands of thousands of flies and they burst out of the corpse at the end of the film in wow. the car. And then there was a fly plague up in the hills that year uh, up in McLaren Vale where I flew it. Because I had written in the beginning of the scene also, uh, there's, there's a, it starts with roadkill and it ends with roadkill. It's sort of a, a thing. I didn't realise I was writing that, but I, that's the way it did. Once I watched the film, went, oh, sort of accidentally did that there's death at the beginning of the death but I read and I had made this crappy little thing it wasn't even realistic it looked like a dead cat but it, it looked like shit but then when I went up in the hills that day I found a real life dead kangaroo <laughs> we dragged that out and then we also tried to get these flies to come out the mouth of the um, of the corpse we tried all sorts of things like we could, the flies don't do it. They're really hard to train. <laughs> you can't train them. So what I ended up doing was like, we managed to get a couple of flies to come out of the mouth. Like people would do this, once again, people would do this with my computers, wouldn't they? Not me, mate. I did the real thing. And then at the end, I just opened up the, 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 the homebrew container in the car and the flies just fucking filled the car full of flies. You can watch this film on, on YouTube. And then, yeah, and then that was the end of the film. But then the flies wouldn't leave the car because the whole world that they had experienced up till uh, that was inside a homebrew container, and I was had the sugar cubes in there, and I, that's how they. So they, I bought some uh, little cocoons or whatever you call them from some crazy old woman in the hills. I think they uh, they they were breeding they breeding for the zoo or something maggots. And I this I did this about twenty years ago, so I'm a bit vague on it. But anyway, so then the flies, we eventually got them out of the car uh, after the shoot. It took us ages, man. I think there was even still flies buzzing around in the car on their way back down from the hills. So they escaped out of the car and discovered the world. And I can only imagine they discovered that corpse of that dead kangaroo rotting. And so they bred, so they would have, that would have been their first meal. And there was a, a, there was a, there was a, fl a fly plague in the hill there hills that year my friend lived up there and that was caused by me making my film fuck computers when you can have fun like that if you want to make a film man just go out and do it don't think you can't if you but it, you know what you go oh, i'd like to make a film i'd like to make, well just do it otherwise if you don't do it then you're not really that keen on it you know i'm sure everyone thinks you know oh i'd like to make a movie you know 
watching Netflix. Well, sitting around watching Netflix all day is not going to get a movie made, man. If you want to make it, you will know you want to make it. We'll go out and do it. I, I want to ask about that. Uh, do you encounter a lot of people uh, saying they're going to make a film, but they don't? Is that something that you... They want to make a film. Or they, they want to make a film, but they don't. And, and I think uh, apparently a lot of people do that. Mm. Um, it took me a long time to get to, to the stage where now I'm like, right, I know what I want to do it. The thing is, if you want to make a film, you will go out there and make it and not just talk about it because you'll have that, you'll know it, man. You'll have that feeling and you'll go, right, I'm doing this. And you'll get your idiot mates and uh, you will just do it. Or you won't have idiot mates and be like Robert Regas and just do it yourself. But he had to have idiot mates to be in front of the camera anyway. Um, otherwise, you might just make an animation. I'm really glad to see it all culminate in a, in a new feature film and I can't wait to see it. Dick, thank Cheers, you so mate. much for no coming worries. on the program. Thanks, man. You know, there are different reasons right. why people lie. Everybody lies. You lie, you lie. <laughs> I know you lie. There's good lies, there's bad lies. And there are different kinds of liars. I had sex with Angelina Jolie once years ago. This was when I was like seven years old. They create a fantasy, a false self-esteem to escape their mundane life. And he was like, well, Nick, I'm from Bully Dog and we'd like to sponsor your entire build. And I was like, no shit. Get in line behind Festool, behind fucking Craftsman, behind everybody that wants to fucking jump aboard. Crazy that you mentioned that actually because uh, one time I got kicked out of Alcatraz for beating up all the prisoners too much. They do it to feel better in the moment, to steal admiration. They actually saw my nuke that I was building and they said, this design, this is like years ahead of our own missile technology. This is a million dollars an episode. I was like, pass. What would leave other people in jail for me is like just another little piece of my resume. The police showed up, I kicked their asses too, and they didn't say shit. It, they were crying. They were literally crying about Damn, it. Damn, it's a good thing they don't put me in charge of nukes. Classified level magenta. <laughs> You must ask yourself if it were denied you to create, if it were denied you to create, if it were denied you to act or to paint or whatever compulsive creative thing that you do, if that were denied you, would you truly die? And if your answer is yes, then there is no poor and indifferent place for you. There is only a place of creation, and that's the only place that you'll live. And if your answer is no, then for God's sake, give up creating, don't create, go out and find yourself a reasonable, responsible life, and have a wonderful life, and enjoy watching other people create. But don't confuse the two, because a creator is a creator, and that's what he is.